0: Hello, and welcome to Based on a True Story, the podcast that compares your favorite Hollywood movies with history. Today, we're going to be looking at all six of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies at once. I'm sure you're familiar with these films, but here is a quick refresher. The franchise started with 1993's Jurassic Park, which was directed by Steven Spielberg and based on the 1990 novel of the same name by Michael Crichton. Jurassic Park sets up the storyline of a nearly completed theme park filled with dinosaurs brought back from extinction. Then there was 1997's The Lost World, Jurassic Park, also directed by Steven Spielberg, and it continues the story based on Michael Crichton's 1995 novel of the same name. In The Lost World, the team of scientists are sent to another island less than 100 miles from where the original Jurassic Park took place, to study how the dinosaurs managed to survive. The next movie is Jurassic Park 3. That was directed by Joe Johnston and released in 2001 as the final film in the original Jurassic Park trilogy. This storyline brings back Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler from the first movie to help a couple find their missing son on the island filled with dinosaurs. Fourteen years later, the Jurassic franchise came back with 2015's Jurassic World. That movie was directed by Colin Trevorrow, and it's the first time that we get to see a functioning theme park filled with dinosaurs. That theme park doesn't last long, though, and that sets up the next movie, 2018's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That film was directed by J.A. Boyana and tells the story of trying to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from the impending doom of a volcanic eruption. Last but certainly not least, we have the third film in the Jurassic World trilogy and the sixth film in the overall Jurassic Park franchise, 2022's Jurassic World Dominion. That movie was again directed by Colin Trevorrow and it was marketed as the epic conclusion of the Jurassic era as it concludes the entire Jurassic franchise. The storyline in Jurassic World Dominion gives us a peek at what it's like for humans and dinosaurs to live alongside each other. Obviously, the storylines of the entire Jurassic franchise is fictional but I'm excited to be joined by the paleontology consultant for all six of the movies and world-renowned paleontologist, Jack Horner. Before we chat with Jack, it's time to set up our game. Two truths and a lie. If you're new to the show, here's how it works. I'm about to say three things. Two of them are true. That means one of them is an all-out lie. Are you ready? Okay, here they are. Number one. The current scenario of what killed off the dinosaurs is a meteor. Number two, they knew about feathered dinosaurs when the first Jurassic Park movie was made. Number three, the T-Rex could run over 60 miles per hour. Got them? Okay, now as you're listening to our story today, your challenge is to find the two facts scattered somewhere throughout the episode. And then, of course, we'll do a recap at the end of the episode to see how well you did. All right, now it's time to connect with Jack Horner about the historical depiction of dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Near the beginning of the first Jurassic Park movie, we're introduced to the two main characters, Dr. Sattler, a paleobotanist, and Dr. Grant, a paleontologist. They're working together on a dig site in the Badlands in Montana. My question for you is more about Dr. Grant, because not only were you a consultant on the first Jurassic Park movie, but the filmmakers based the character of Dr. Grant on you. So what was your first impression when you saw Sam Neill's character portraying someone based on you in the movie?
1: Well, first first off, you know, the it was Michael Crichton who wrote, you know, who created the character he had. He had just written he had just uh you know read my one of my first books called digging dinosaurs and it was about you know the discovery of baby dinosaurs and stuff like that and so you know it it when uh, and and that character alan grant character in michael Crichton's book was actually based on two people two of us paleontologists um a guy named bob bacher and myself, and we had both written books that Michael Crichton wrote, uh, read, and then he created this single character. And then when Steven Spielberg made, you know, started making Jurassic Park, he separated the two characters and, and made, you know, Sam Neill became Alan Grant and, and he was supposed to be portraying me. And then in the second, uh, Version of Jurassic, you know, Jurassic Park two, the uh, Lost World. Um, they he created a, a another character for Bob, <laughs> so it was you know it was interesting to see and you know I you know there obviously there are there are Michael Crichton that tried to get some things right and some things you know were just fictional. <laughs>
0: One impression I got from the first Jurassic Park movie was the T-Rex hunted alone while the Velociraptors are pack hunters. And I remember just from my own experience, I remember uh, before I saw Jurassic Park for the first time, I used to think the T-Rex was the most dangerous dinosaur out there. But after watching Jurassic Park, it made me think that the raptor was a lot more dangerous because of their intelligence and ability to hunt in packs. Is that a correct impression to get about the velociraptors being even more dangerous than a T-Rex?
1: Well, I, I think so. I mean, I, I honestly, you know, I, I'm a proponent of the idea that T-Rex is really more of a opportunist, that it took sick animals and, you know, that it wasn't a apex predator by any means. Um, so it was out there scavenging and, and, you know, taking down weak animals. Whereas velociraptor or, or the, you know, what we would call the raptorial the manoraptor in dinosaurs, they were, you know, they were the apex predators. They just weren't very big, but you know, you have a pack of them and, and that's more dangerous than even a larger animal because they are more agile and can get around quicker. And, 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 and we think that, you know, that much like modern birds, Modern raptors, you know, modern raptor birds that uh that they probably would just you know literally just start eating their live, yeah, you know, eating their prey live, you know they they didn't go to you know lions and tigers go to a lot of trouble to to dispatch their prey first, they kill it and and then they start eating. Whereas birds oftentimes will knock their prey down, just stand on them and start eating them. So, you know, they don't really worry about whether the animal's alive or not.
0: Yeah, I think they even mentioned that a little bit, or Dr. Grant mentions that in the movie, talking about how the raptors would would eat, start eating them alive.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they just start ripping you apart. Neither one's a good
0: way to go. <laughs> no, that's
1: true. <laughs> well.
0: I, you mentioned them going fast. And in the movies, um, I think they mentioned that the T-Rex vision, well, one's based on movement. But then they also said they clocked it at 32 miles an hour. And then the raptors in the first movie, they mentioned 50 to 60 miles an hour. But then I think in Jurassic World, they actually mentioned 40 to 50 miles an hour. Uh, were, were the raptors were faster? Well, the raptors were
1: faster than T-Rex, but T-Rex couldn't run at all. Oh, <laughs> Um, the biomechanical the biomechanical studies that have been done on T. Rex suggest that, you know, they might have been able to walk fast, but they could not run. The Velociraptors could run, but whether they could make forty miles an hour or not, I think is questionable.
0: Okay, so they really did rely a lot more on the pack mentality. It sounds like if if they weren't as that fast. Well, yeah, more likely, more than likely, yes, yeah. At the beginning of the, the second movie, you mentioned that the, the Lost World, John Hammond explains how the dinosaurs have survived for four years since the first movie on their own, despite being bred lysine deficient as a form of security. And what should have killed them after seven days without these supplemental enzymes, they're able to survive. And to quote Hammond from the movie, uh, these creatures need our absence to survive, not our help. And that concept got me thinking about how different the environment and ecosystems are now compared to how it was when dinosaurs were alive. Do you think that dinosaurs could coexist and survive in today's environment with humans? Well, I, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to do well with, you know, benzene
1: in the, in the atmosphere or or some of the other pollutants that we dump out. But, but, you know, the climate really isn't that much different. I, I know, you know, a lot of people are sort of confused by time. Um, you know the big giant dragonflies, and and the time when there was actually more, you know, oxygen in the atmosphere was actually three hundred million years ago, not not sixty five million years ago. So, so, you know that that that's people just get kind of confused by the time, the whole time time business. Um, I don't think there was very much difference, personally. Um, at least all of this, all of this research I've seen suggests that they're you know it's negligible the difference between then and now other than the fact that you know that we're you know killing ourselves with pollute, pollutants and everything else
0: yeah and i guess that that could play a, a part into it but from what it sounds like yeah it wouldn't be enough even that maybe may not be enough you no know, they they'd, they'd be they'd be pretty they'd be pretty well off maybe in The Lost World, there's another species of dinosaur that gets some screen time, and it's, it's shown throughout the entire uh, franchise, and that's the compies. Uh, they're actually really cute in the movies, they you know, with their little chittering noises, uh, and they're described as scavengers, and they, of course, turn deadly when they team up and kill Dieter Stark in that movie. Uh, how well did the movie depict what compies were really like? Probably not at all. Um, first
1: off, first off, we only have a couple of specimens. Um, and and they're found in lakes, you know, so they've, their carcass has literally washed out into a lake. And so we have really no behavioral information whatsoever. And, uh, you know, they're basically a little manoraptor and a little raptorial-like dinosaur themselves. And so, you know, there's really no, nothing to suggest that they weren't, you know, feeding, having feeding behaviors very similar to a Velociraptor or other related dinosaurs.
0: The weather's getting nicer, which means now is the perfect time to plan ahead for summer fun. Personally, I'm hoping to be able to visit my family this summer, and that means booking flights as soon as possible before the prices go up. And now you can help ensure your money is there when you need it with today's sponsor. Earn In. Just download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and watch your earnings tick up as you work. Access up to $100 a day and up to $750 per pay period so you can start making your summer plans now. It's free and easy to get started. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in True Story under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. True story under podcast. Earn in is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See EarnIn.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Thanks, Earn In. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Obviously in Jurassic Park, they fill in the DNA with animals that we have. And so for something like a copy where we don't have a lot of information about them, um, is it possible at all to fill in any information about what they might've been like with other animals that may be similar? That really is, that really is
1: how we do it. And, and you know, when it comes to genetics
0: and, you know,
1: you know, 50% of our DNA is identical to a banana. So, you know, you could use a banana (laughs) instead of a frog. I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of ridiculous to think that, you know, you know, we that one animal is going to get us closer than another. So when it, you know, when it comes to behaviors, we, I mean, we don't even, we don't really, we've got one, literally one specimen of, of a, plant-eating dinosaur that has a bunch of, um, dinonychus teeth around it more than would fit in the jaw, you know, more than one animal could afford to lose. And that's our only evidence of pack hunting. I mean, you know, we, we, we have so little information about the behaviors of any dinosaur that, you know, they're just, we get a little tiny bit of information and then we, you know arm wave, basically, you know, we just, it's all guesswork. We don't really know the behavior of any dinosaur. I mean, you know, other than the, just the simplest things like, you know, like the baby dinosaurs, we have baby dinosaurs in a nest that doubled in size. So, so we have, we can pretty easily hypothesize that the baby dinosaurs stayed in their nest for that period of time that they didn't get out and go somewhere and then come back. I mean, no, there really aren't animals that do that. So, so, you know, all, all we can do is make comparisons with modern animals that are related and birds are the closest related animals. So, so, I mean, that's that's all we can really do. I mean, our, you know, in the movies, all of the behaviors you see of any of the dinosaurs are fiction. That's that I mean they're just fiction. That that's you know the I as I as I say, the only accurate, the only accurate depiction of any of any of the dinosaurs in any of the movies, as far as I'm concerned, is is of the spinosaurus in the water. When you when you see that when you see the spinosaurus with its fins sticking out of the water, it's in the water. That 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 we know, Spinosaurus could do,
0: and that's in uh, uh, the la- the latest movie, uh, Dominion, right? Where you see him in the caves. Well, I, I'm thinking of Jurassic Park three. Oh, okay. For its, in, you know, you see when it's running around on land, that's wrong. It it couldn't do that. Oh, so it was only in the water. It wasn't that it could go in the water. It w- it was only in the water. Right. Exactly. Oh. Okay it's a fish eater. It, it ate fish.
1: It, it didn't eat anything else. It, it's a, it, it, it is evolved and adapted for eating fish.
0: I guess it wouldn't be as dangerous in the movies <laughs> if it stayed in the water the whole time, though. <laughs> Add some fiction to it.
1: First of all, I wouldn't want to be in the water with it myself. Well, that's true. <laughs>
0: uh, speaking of uh, Jurassic Park 3, there's another concept in that one that gets put forward, and it's the concept of uh, 3D printing the, the resonating chamber. They do that for the Velociraptor. Uh, they take basically create a 3D model from the skull, and then they're able to Determine how the dinosaurs would sound. Has that actually been done? Do we know what dinosaurs could sound like?
1: We actually did that. That at, that's based on some stuff we were doing at Montana State University, the engineering program. We we uh, cat scanned the skull. It was a duck-billed dinosaur skull, not a raptor. Uh, we duck we cat scanned a duck duckbill dinosaur skele- uh, skull and then reconstructed its its narial passageway, and then. And then simulated air going through it, and and we could get the pitch of of the of the sound, but we you know we couldn't make the sound. Obviously, you just you're just going to get the pitch. So we could determine that in the skull we used, which was a juvenile, that it would have it produced a high pitched sound, which of course you know, high pitched sounds don't carry very far. And then when we cat scan the 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 adult. It made it we could produce an infrasound, so it very deep like an elephant, and sounds like that can carry over very long distances so those what that that was the research that was what we determined in the movie um you know it's fictionalized as you know uh, as making something for a raptor and 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 being able to communicate with it you know if if you just think about it for a moment you know in any sound that you know if you you rapid prototype something and even if it were made of bone the sound you know is is being produced in a in an in a in an animal that has skin and muscle over it as well so you're not going to get the same sound by any stretch of the imagination i mean resonating the bone is not the same as resonating the skull
0: that's a good point i mean i guess it's a similar type concept to make sure uh, understanding it's a similar type concept of you know my voice sounds different to me than it does to you because it's it's
1: yeah but you just just imagine you know that you're only using uh, in, in this particular case you know we're we're rapid prototyping not something is a soft tissue, but actually as something that is a heart it's actually the the cranial bones themselves without any soft tissue involved so you know it's obviously it's not going to sound at all like it, but you can get the pitch you you could at least you'll know if it's a if it it's high pitched or low pitched.
0: Kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier, but um, in Jurassic Park 3, there's a speech that Dr. Grant gives uh, where he says, had there not been a cataclysmic event that killed them all off, it's entirely possible that raptors and not humans would be the dominant species on the planet. So I know it's a, it's kind of a what if question if they were around, but would that be correct if, if they were here? would Could raptors be the dominant species on, on the planet?
1: <laughs> well, that's, I, I'd say that's pretty anthropomorphic of us to think that, you know, that unless you're intelligent you're you know you're a dominant species you know i <laughs> that that's uh <laughs> it's very hypothetical for sure <laughs> yeah you well know, i mean that but that's you know that's a that's that it that it did be kind of like a a kangaroo saying you know if you hop only you know, you know
0: can only dominate the world if you hop I love that analogy that's great <laughs> <laughs> After 14 years, the franchise came back in 2015 uh, with Jurassic World, and according to that movie, um, a lot has changed, and one of the key plot points in, in that series then starts with they're designing completely new dinosaurs. Uh, hybrids are being designed by mixing different DNA together to make dinosaurs that are bigger and scarier, of course, to draw in more crowds. Uh, the Adominus rex is the big one, in, in that. that is kind of a cross between a, a T-Rex, raptor, cuttlefish, frogs. Probably more DNA, but the movie obscures that by calling it top secret. Uh, as an advisor on the movie, how involved were you in coming up with the species that could go into a fictional creation like the Indominus Rex? Well,
1: as as I was explaining to Colin Trevorrow, it, it, this you know creating a dinosaur like a transgenic dinosaur is actually more accurate than it it, it is completely accurate, right? I mean, we've designed it so. So it's the perfect it's the perfect animal. It's it's more perfect than a, than the T-Rex cuz the T-Rex we just have its skeleton and we you know, and we are surmising what the rest of the animal looks like. If you're genetically adi- if you're genetically making a dinosaur or any other kind of animal and you are using transgenics to do it. Not that we know how to do very much transgenics. I mean we but we do do transgenics you know we make glow fish and things like that um then you know you you make if if you could make what you were you know planned to make it would be perfect right i mean you would know exactly what it was so Indominus rex is the
0: most accurate animal in all of those movies uh, that that's fascinating i didn't i didn't even think about it that way it makes perfect sense though <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of being an advisor on the movie since you worked on uh the f- the first three of course you know the jurassic park and then uh, at, at the first one was released in 1993 uh the most recent movie 29 years later uh are there things that we've learned about dinosaurs in almost three decades that have changed how we see them on screen between the uh, the initial movie and then um, the jurassic world movies now oh absolutely
1: you know i mean we we knew you know when we were making jurassic park we knew that that the raptors should be uh, feathered and more colorful. Um, Feathers were just, you know, technologically not possible in 1993, you know, they, the computer graphics used was brand new And the puppets would have, you know, looked silly if they'd have tried to put feathers. So, so, you know, it, it just, it wasn't technologically possible. As far as color goes, we know, you know, that we know that dinosaurs were a lot more colorful than we see them in the movie, but Stephen wanted a scary movie. And so, you know, he, he didn't think colorful dinosaurs would be all that scary other than the spitter, right? That flashes its, colorful thrill at you, which of course, you know, that is a totally fictionalized dinosaur. Everything is fictional about that dinosaur, except its name. Dinonychus is a dinosaur. It's a very poorly preserved dinosaur. We don't really know much about it at all. So it was a good one to fictionalize.
0: You get to fill in the holes however you want. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: So we don't know if, if that one uh, spit or anything like that or had any sort of, would it be possible to know if any of them had that sort of a defense mechanism?
1: That That's just, you know, that's just all total fiction. Okay. Yeah, there's just no way to know stuff like that.
0: Well, One thing that we see in, in Jurassic World is the character of uh, Owen Grady. He's training a pack of raptors, and Blue in particular seems to be one that, that bonds with him. Uh, and this... It helps to reinforce the the concept throughout all the movies that raptors are especially dangerous that we talked about because of their intelligence. Do we know if they were that smart that it would be possible to train them? I know some animals now can be trained easier than others. Would that be the case for uh, raptors as a species more than other species?
1: well you know they're they're basically you know they're they're related to birds, and we don't train very many birds to do very many things. Um, you know, imagine trying to train a duck.
0: I can honestly say I've never, <laughs> never imagined that until this moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think it would go very well, though. No, it
1: probably wouldn't. You know, we we just you know we don't really know, but but you know the brain to body you know, just looking at the brain to body ratio of uh, of a velociraptor like dinosaur, the it's really no different than than most you know ordinary birds so you know they they do train hawks and animals like that to fetch something but it the behaviors you know of birds are so different than the behaviors of mammals you know we are a mammal and so we you know we can kind of bond with other mammals but you know it's 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 hard i mean i i had a parrot for a while and you know (laughs) It didn't like me, so I I couldn't bond at all with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's a good point. I guess it, it, they pick <laughs> whether or not you're going to bond. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's right. Exactly.
0: In uh, Fallen Kingdom, another of the Jurassic worlds we see, the island of East Isla have a volcano that wakes up and causes an extinction-level event, and as a movie, I, I, obviously, I know the event was made up for the movie, um, but then as someone who also doesn't really know about much about what really happened, I kind of assumed that this event was maybe a, a, a smaller possibility of what might have actually happened across the globe to kill off the dinosaurs. Uh, why do you think the dinosaurs went extinct? Was it because of a natural disaster like a, a volcano?
1: Well, um, you know, the the current scenario is a meteor okay um it is a a meteor that hits the yucatan peninsula of mexico and and you know it's a a huge meteor a couple of miles long or in diameter and and that explosion uh, creates a huge um you know tsunami worldwide it creates earthquakes that are you know nine on the richter scale worldwide i mean it's just you know it's a it it shakes the world and and blows a bunch of trees and all dirt and water and all sorts of things into space and then when all of that stuff returns you know it 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 becomes incandescent and and literally starts world fires all over the place and I mean the you know the scenario is is extraordinary and 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 it is global right so I mean it creates problems all over the place and then there's a suggestion that it that it also ignites the decon traps on the opposite side of the world that starts you know the bulk of volcanism and so you know it it's a it's a scenario that that appears to be we, you know, I mean, it, we definitely know that it happened, and whether it is all that it took to kill the dinosaurs is—it's certainly possible. One of the things that most people don't realize about dinosaurs, you know, they—when we think about dinosaurs, dominated the Earth for a hundred and fifty million years, and in that period of time, they really did not diversify very much. I mean, they—you know—there's there's just a few different kinds, right? I mean, there's armored dinosaurs and there's duckbill dinosaurs and there's horn dinosaurs and there's long neck dinosaurs and you know and then there's meat-eating dinosaurs there just isn't very much variety and if you look at the plant-eating dinosaurs there's very little feeding diversity i mean basically you know the 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 ankylosaurs the primitive uh ornithopods the uh um, the pachycephalosaurs, the dome headed dinosaurs, all of, you know, all of these dinosaurs have teeth that look virtually identical, like they're eating ferns, right? And, and so there's not much feeding diversity. And, and without all of that diversity, it, it's it probably, you know, extinction was, they, they were doomed. I mean, that, you know, you have a big worldwide event like that. And, and, you know, the survival of life depends on diversity in all different groups of animals. So a whole bunch of animals went extinct. A lot of birds went extinct, but birds were diverse enough at that point in time. They were probably feeding on seeds and things like that. And so, you know, they made it. Um, Mammals were nocturnal basically living underground so they they did fine and crocodilly, you know the cold-blooded animals did fine because they could just you know you can if you, if you ever had a pet snake or something or a turtle or something like that you know they you know they can go for months without eating anything so you know they're fine so you know dinosaurs just i think they were just they just didn't have much feeding diversity and and quite frankly they didn't they didn't they weren't very diverse in any aspect of them.
0: Is there something about their, uh, something why they didn't? And they were also,
1: you know, pretty big. I mean, you know, big animals are more vulnerable in an environment than little animals are. So, you know, I mean, that there's all of that too.
0: So yeah. Cause you have to eat more. Exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah. Is there something uh, about dinosaurs that would keep them from diversifying like that? Like other well, types not,
1: of animals would not, not really um so hmm. one of the you know one of the things that when we think about evolution and 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 things that actually you know pressure organisms into diversifying oftentimes has to do with um we call it you know vicariance or, or basically breaking up geography so that it so that so that you get you know, populations in one area and another area, and they can diverge from one another. Um, and the continent of Pangaea, when it broke up, um, we ended up with with sort of, you know, well, basically all of the dinosaurs were evolving before Pangaea broke up. And so when it broke up during the Triassic period, you had you know dinosaurs in africa and dinosaurs in south america they're all related to each other right and they do diversify a little bit but not very much so mammal when we look at um mammal populations and and the kinds of diversity that we see in mammals it 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 looks like it's when when these isolated populations are separate for a while and then are brought back together again so they're competing with one another then you you know then you see a lot of competition a lot of things go extinct and a lot of things adapt but the dinosaurs were, that didn't happen with the dinosaurs the continents came apart that's about all they did they didn't, they came apart and they didn't really go back together again so so we don't we don't have a lot of Populations that are mixing from one place to another to sort of drive this kind of diversity.
0: Speaking of that, with um, in in Fallen Kingdom, when I was watching that, something that kind of stuck with me, it kind of realized was uh, throughout all the movies, <laughs> um, the key part where the parks are, where um, the dinosaurs are, are cloned or and then thrive. Tends to be a hotter climate, a, a tropical type climate. Uh, I, I think in uh, Nublar, it's you know just off off Costa Rica. Uh, we do see a little bit of difference in the uh, in the final film in, in Dominion. We see some of them living in s- snowy climates alongside elephants in the African sun, and so on. Um, but even then, the headquarters in that movie are in the Dolomite Mountain Range. It's still a very tropical looking environment, even though they're surrounded by snowy mountains. Is there a historical reason to why they would have put them in a hotter climate instead of uh, something different?
1: Yes, there is a, uh, it is historical, but it's, it's fictional history, history, right? (laughs) It's fictional history. I I mean, that's where we expect dinosaurs to be is in tropical places, Uh, but they lived all over the world. Dinosaurs lived all over the world. They lived uh, above the Arctic circle. Uh they lived in antarctica i mean they they lived everywhere there there wasn't ice you know at the time they lived in Antarctica. there was palm trees in antarctica but 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 they did live in different environments and 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 quite frankly, you know we don't <laughs> the funny thing is is that tropical environments do not preserve in the fossil record, and so we don't really have any examples of them living in the tropics. So it's just, it's always funny when you see them in the tropics because, and even, you know, I mean, most of the environments that we know of, that we have fossil records for are kind of like Louisiana. No, you know, I guess you could call that subtropical,
0: right? It's warm.
1: (laughs) You know, it would have been warm and humid in most of the places that we do find fossils of dinosaurs, but. On the other hand, you know, there was they were living far enough north and far enough south that that there would have been dark spells, you know, for for a couple of months as well. So. So, you know, there. It's the whole the whole tropical thing is is literally is, you know, our expectation of them being in those kind of environments. It's kind of like volcanoes, right? I mean. Volcanoes probably didn't erupt any more than they erupt now, but we always want a volcano in the background of our dinosaurs, right? I mean, we always want a di- always want a volcano. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Earlier, you're talking about the the feathers, and in the latest, uh, the final film, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, we do see dinosaurs having feathers. You mentioned it being a, a technological limitation in the earlier movies. Did most of the dinosaurs actually have feathers, or was it kind of a mix? Because even in the later movies, um, we see some have feathers and some do not.
1: We're pretty certain. Well, in the you know, in the movie, we have to maintain the animals. Remember, they're cloned back in 1993, so. They have to, they can't be changing the way they look. In you know, They can't grow feathers, right?
0: Can't grow feathers. <laughs>
1: so the, so basically the, the dinosaurs in, in Dominion that have feathers, you know, they kind of explain that by saying they did, you know, they, they made them pure, right? I mean, they, they didn't add anything to them. And so, I mean, that's what dinosaurs would look like. The meat-eating dinosaurs. So all of the saurischian dinosaurs, with the exception of sauropods, in other words, you know, the true meat-eating dinosaurs, we're pretty sure we're all feathered. So basically, all of the theropod dinosaurs, uh, we're pretty sure we're we're all all feathered. Uh, and we have some indications that some of the ornithischian dinosaurs, the the non sauropod plant eaters had some kind of uh uh frilly looking stuff that went down the middle of their back and sometimes uh in some other areas on their bodies but but not totally feathered like we see in the meat eating dinosaurs and there was and there was a study recently done that suggested that 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 theropod dinosaurs were actually true warm-blooded animals, like 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 mammals, um, and that the ornithischian dinosaurs were not. Although I suspect the ornithischian dinosaurs were probably heterothermic, which means that they 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 still generated heat internally, just didn't uh, regulate it quite like we do.
0: We talked about some of the other genetically engineered dinosaurs in the other movies, but here in the final film, Jurassic World Dominion, it's the first time that we see the Giganotosaurus, and the movie says that it is the biggest of all dinosaurs. Is that true? Is it really the biggest of all the dinosaurs that we know about? We can tell by looking at
1: the bone histology of animals, whether they're still growing or not. Um, And... And all of the T Rex specimens that I have seen are all still growing. So we know that we're going to keep finding bigger T Rexes. Giganotosaurus is a is another one. I mean, we you know, it's its skull is bigger than a T Rex skull when the body is still the same size as a T Rex. So, you know, it's a matter of how you're going to measure the size of these animals. Um we don't you know, we don't even really know the total length of any dinosaur very well. I mean, there's a, might be a few of them that we have the entire skeleton of, but we don't have very many of them. So we, you know, we just take wild guesses as to really how long they are, or how massive they were. We don't, we don't really even understand the mass of a dinosaur very well. People still argue about, you know, about that. Are you going to compare them to a chicken? Or are you going to compare them? to the, Crocodile. I mean, what kind of an animal are you going to compare them to? So, you know, we just we're just not really positive. You know, we're not sure exactly. You know, the mass of an animal or the weight of an animal or the length of an animal. Uh, and Giganotosaurus and, and T Rex are basically the same size. I mean, they're both big, but you know, when it comes to you know a big Animal that eats meat. Spinosaurus eats fish and fish, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's not vegetables, so I'd call it a meat eater. And, and Spinosaurus is a lot bigger than a T Rex. So, and it's a lot, lot bigger than a Giganotosaurus. So, you know, Spinosaurus is the largest flesh eating dinosaur that we know of. Wow. Wow. And that
0: was, uh,
1: in in the water well we you know we can you know we scientists can argue about that too like i think they were i think they were obligate piscivores which means they ate fish and they never left the water but there's a whole bunch of other scientists that you know think that one of my friends thinks that they were like a heron and walked around you know eating eating fish out of the water like a heron does and and some of them think that they just went in the water once in a while. Or I don't know, you know. But they've got they've got teeth that had to evolve, uh, that had to change considerably from the primitive condition to the derived condition used for eating fish. And the fact that, that their teeth changed evolved to, to this this shape that is is that we see in all animals that eat fish tells me that they ate fish and that they if you're going to eat fish there's no reason to be running around on the land
0: (laughs) you're not going to find many fish there (laughs) that's right that's right what's one of your favorite stories from your time working on the jurassic park and jurassic world movies i don't really have a favorite
1: story i mean i I enjoyed working on the movie. I enjoyed sitting there with Stephen and seeing what he does and see how he does it. And He oftentimes would, he'd shoot a scene and say, Jack, what'd you think of that? And I'd say, well, it looked good to me. And he'd say, no, that was terrible. And then, and then he'd shoot some more and then he'd shoot for, you know, another whole bunch of times. And then he'd say, this was, he said, this was the good one. And, you know, I could see that it was a lot better. But I could also see that, you know, a, a fair director could have made a movie with a lot less shooting, right? I mean, and still come out with a pretty good movie. So, so I, you know, just seeing how it's done was interesting. But, you know, I, it was really, it was boring to watch. I mean, uh, every, you know, the actors, everybody's just standing around waiting to do something. I mean, it's, it, it is definitely not, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't trade my job for their job for anything, I mean There wasn't anybody, there wasn't anybody in the whole place that I thought had, you know, a job that would, that I could, would trade dinosaur hunting for. I mean, it just wasn't. I mean, I, the set director, Rick Carter, I mean, he was great. The guy that was, you know, in Jurassic Park, he was a great guy and he, you know, and he was building stuff all the time and making these cool scenes and, you know, it was really cool to see, but, you know, it was all fake too right i mean i mean it was all made out of styrofoam and, and, you know and and you see the you know you think about the 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 scenes you know with the t-rex and all that stuff i mean you know there if if you ever if you watch Jurassic Park uh, the first one and you see a whole dinosaur that's a computer graphic so there's nothing there, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're just shooting a scene with nothing in it. And and then, you know, if if you see part of a dinosaur, it's an animatronic, and the animatronics are really cool. Stan Winston's and Jinch True or I mean, they 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 were artists, boy. They they made the coolest dinosaurs ever. But you know, they're just pieces of them. So, you know, you see the foot come down in in the mud and dressy, it's a foot, you know. I mean, You know the Spinosaurus was life size. I mean, it was a gigantic animatronic, and it was the whole front end of the body. So that was that was pretty cool to see. But like I say, you know they, you know I was there for Jurassic Park three, and Joe Johnston was the director, and you know again, I mean he's a good friend, but I I was bored to death. I mean, if it's the same thing over and over and over again, I just I would go out and walk around to the other studios and see what else was going on, what somebody else was shooting. I just you know I, not my cup of tea. <laughs> I, I like I like the movie. I like the end. I like to see it. You know, when it's done. But you can't even tell. You can watch the whole making of the movie and still not know what it's about. I mean, unless you've read the storyboard, looked at the storyboards to see what it is. There's no way to tell even when they're shooting what it's going to look like because they don't shoot everything in order.
0: They call it movie magic for a reason, I guess. That's right.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I admire them all. They're, they do a great job. I am entertained when I watch a movie or see, see something on TV or something. I'm, it's impressive, but I don't want to do it
0: myself. <laughs> What's one of the more common misconceptions about dinosaurs that uh, you think would surprise people?
1: like i say we we scientists argue over all kinds of trivial stuff you know whether t-rex was a scavenger or a predator or, you know all sorts of things you know. this day and age you know it's, you still have to convince people that dinosaurs and people didn't live together
0: <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah i mean I, i'm i'm sure movies like jurassic park don't always help that. I mean, I'm sure they help in some ways, but in other ways, because it is showing dinosaurs and humans together.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, we're, we've been finding feathered dinosaurs for a long time, but most, you know, most people don't know that they're feathered. And, and most people, you know, their idea of what a dinosaur looks like is based on Jurassic Park. It's based on anything. And those dinosaurs, I mean, they're just completely out of date. I mean, they're, you know, just, just not what they really look like but it's, you know, better than nothing.
0: That's true. And I mean, what, about 30 years or so between the first movie and and the latest one. So it has had a a huge impact on uh, a lot of people's opinions on dinosaurs over the time. And I'm sure it will continue to influence generations to come. Uh, And yet, as is the nature of movies, two people can watch the very same movie, you walk out of it with very different impressions. So with that in mind, what, what, impression of dinosaurs do you want future generations who watch these movies who want to learn more about dinosaurs what do you want them to walk away with
1: well you know i it's the same thing with with anything in nature you know i mean you know just just being amazed by them is 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 quite something and and being curious about them and and wanting to go to a museum and learn more about them and see you know see their real bones i mean that's You know, we, we, there are a lot of great museums all over the world and, and, and displaying uh, basically all of the new science about dinosaurs. And I, I just encourage people to, to get to the museum and see stuff.
0: Yeah. It's a great, great way to learn more for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on to chat about the Jurassic Park and Jurassic world movies. Uh, I know we've been talking about the movies themselves and you, but you've, do a lot outside of the silver screen. So for someone listening to this, who wants to help support your work, can you give them an overview of what you're working on and, and where they can learn more? Well, um, I, I'm working on all sorts of things.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I, I study dinosaur growth and behavior, but I also, you know, working with, uh, artist, um, Fabio Pastori in Italy, uh, trying to you know reconstruct what i think dinosaurs look like and they're much more colorful than than what you see in the movies um and and we have um recently released some nfts um and they're you know they're they're beautiful i mean the dinosaurs that we're creating are beautiful and i think dinosaurs were beautiful i think they were i don't think they were just big gray clunky creatures i think they were you know they gave rise to birds and 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 birds got their coloration and they got their dances and they got their singing they got all of that from their ancestors and their ancestors were dinosaurs so so i i think you know if we ever are able to really depict these animals as they were as living creatures we're going to see them extremely different than we imagine them right now based on, you know, movies.
0: Thank you again so much for your time, Jack. You're welcome. This episode of Based on a True Story was produced by me, Dan LeFebvre. I'd like to thank Jack Horner once again for sharing his expertise about the history found in the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies. If you wanna learn more about Jack's work with dinosaurs, be sure to check out Jack Horner's Dinosaurs at Dinosaurs.com. As always, you can find links to Jack's work in the show notes for this episode, as well as on the show's home on the web based on atruestorypodcast.com. Okay, now it's time for the answer to our two truths and a lie game from the beginning of the episode. As a refresher, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, the current scenario of what killed off the dinosaurs is a meteor. Number two, they knew about feathered dinosaurs when the first Jurassic Park movie was made. Number three, the T-Rex could run over 60 miles per hour. Did you find out which one is a lie? Let's go backwards and start with number three. The T-Rex could run over 60 miles per hour. That's the lie. As we learned, the T-Rex couldn't actually run at all. So it seems the whole scene with the T-Rex running down the Jeep in the first Jurassic Park, that's all fiction. That means number two is true. They knew about feathered dinosaurs when the first Jurassic Park movie was made. Jack told us that even though they knew like the raptors should be feathered when the first Jurassic Park movie was made, back in the early 1990s, the technology just wasn't there to make them look real enough. Plus, Steven Spielberg wanted the movie to be a lot scarier than it probably would have been had the dinosaurs looked more colorful and feathered then of course in the later movies they had to keep the continuity of the way the dinosaurs looked from that first movie that means number one is also true the current scenario of what killed off the dinosaurs is a meteor we learned what killed off the dinosaurs was most likely a meteor that hit near mexico's yucatan peninsula and caused tsunamis and earthquakes that as jack puts it shook the world if you enjoyed this episode you can help support the next episode and get ad-free versions of the show over at com slash support. Once again, that's com slash support. Until next time, thanks so much for listening, and I'll chat with you again really soon.